This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for April 3rd, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Today's Gospel lesson, we have the story of the man who was born blind from birth. John doesn't tell us his name. We know from the Synoptic Gospels, though, that his name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is um, sort of a surname, really. He probably had a first name. Bar means son of, and Timaeus means defilement or uncleanness or sinners. Son of sinners. You can sort of see how he got this. Maybe it was a nickname, maybe it was his actual name. It's hard to tell. We don't really know. But there was an assumption in those days that if someone had a disease, particularly a genetic disease, that it was the sins of the father being visited upon the sons and the sons' sons to the seventh generation. That there was this sort of inheritable condition of sin. And that if the parents had particularly sinned, or the grandparents, that then the through the generations, that that would become manifest bodily in the person. And so, as they are walking in town, Jesus' disciples see this man over there because he's kneeling by the gate, because a lot of people went in and out the gate, and he's begging for money because it's the only way he has of surviving is if somebody will give him some money so that he can live. And, and as he's begging, his disciples turn to Jesus and said, well, who is it that sinned, this man or, or his parents? And Jesus gives an interesting answer to that. He says, it wasn't this man or his parents who sinned. Rather, his blindness is so that God's glory might be made manifest, might be revealed to the world. And Jesus goes over to him, and he leans upon, the stoops on the ground there in front of him. The man is looking for money. He wants to be able to buy food. And Jesus spits into the dust, and then he takes his thumb and rubs it in and gets it nice and gooky, and he sticks it in the guy's eye. And he says, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. That's where when you've been unclean, um, um, usually from leprosy or something, and you're healed, you're supposed to go wash in the pool of Siloam and then present yourself to the priest. Now, you have to kind of imagine what this would be like for Bartimaeus. He goes out that morning hoping that he can get just a few shekels or something so maybe he can have some bread that evening. He has a really good day. Maybe he could even get a chicken or something. And as he's kneeling there begging, he keeps begging, and and most of the people who go by don't put any money in. And he knows that probably most of the people who go by don't even have any money to put in. But if even one person or two people put some money in, Perhaps he can get by that day. And so he's just doing what he does. It's his everyday life. Just sort of sitting in the gate. Alms, alms, alms for the blind. And all of a sudden, he can tell that there's someone in front of him. He senses their presence. He can smell his body. And he hears the guy spit. And he thinks, in his own mind probably, that... This guy has contempt for me. 
because I'm like this, because I'm different, because somehow or other I'm not up to his standards. He knows what people think, by the way. He knows what his name is. He knows what that means. He's kind of used to it, but it still hurts. And all of a sudden, this guy takes his thumbs and sticks them in in his eyes. Now, do you notice that Jesus didn't ask him anything about it? He didn't say, do you mind if I, if I rub my thumbs on your eye? Didn't say anything to him at all about it. He just suddenly takes this mud and spit and sticks it in his eye. Well, that would be pretty shocking, wouldn't it? You know, you're wondering, what's going on? What, 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 what's he doing? And the man says, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now he knows what the pool of Siloam is too, that he was unclean and now he's been healed, but he can't see anything because he's got mud in his eye. And But he kind of goes off, which only a blind person probably could do at that point. The rest of us would be running into things. And he goes and, and kneels over once he finds it and feels the water and takes it and gets all that mud out of his eyes. You ever gotten anything in your eye? You know, the grit from sand, I doubt, felt very good. You know, he probably thought this guy was being hateful or just playing a joke on him or something. But suddenly, when he was done washing, it, there was this light. Now, he'd never seen light. Have you ever been in a in a pitch black room and somebody comes in and just turns on the light? You know, it's like you can't bear it. I mean, it's too much. Well, this man is is there, and all of a sudden, that's the world to him. Somebody turned on the lights. And he's, you know, trying to see and trying to figure out what's happened and the confusion that comes around. And finally, when his eyes do get adjusted, he looks around him for the first time in his whole life. He sees water. And he sees dirt, and he sees clay pots, and he sees people, and all these people are around him watching him. And he sees what they look like. Probably just in shock. I mean, how, how could this be? I mean, this is impossible. Imagine it. He would not have even known what his own parents looked like, or what the people he talked to every day looked like. And until he heard their voice, he wouldn't even know it was them, would he? And so the people around him say, well, well how did that happen? Because they, they know who he is. I mean, he's been sitting in the same gate, you know, for since he was a child even, begging. And he says, well, I don't know. This man came up and he, and he made mud and stuck it in my eye and told me to come and wash. And now I'm washing and I can see so they take him to the, the local priests, the Pharisees, the religious experts, to find out, okay, can you explain this to us? How can this happen? Well, the Pharisees are going, oh, give me a break. And some con artist has come into town, no doubt. And this guy probably wasn't even black. You know, this can't happen. You know, people don't stick mud in people's eyes and have them suddenly see. And as he is talking, they say, well, 
if you say you're born blind from birth, where are your parents? Bring his parents here. We want to talk to them. And they asked them and said, well, yeah, that's our son, and he was born blind, but I don't know how it happened. I mean, we weren't there. You know, he's, he's an adult. Ask him. He can speak for himself. And so they turned to him again. Well, how did this man do this? And he says, well, I already told you how he, do that, how he did that. And, and then he asked that innocent question that infuriates him. He says, you want to be his disciples? Well, of course we don't want it. We're disciples of Moses. This man's an imposter. I mean, people don't heal on the Sabbath. You're not even supposed to heal. It's against the law. And he said, wow, this is an astonishing thing, isn't it? You don't know where this guy comes from. You don't know how he healed me. All I know is that he stuck mud in my eye, and now I can see. And they become so infuriated with him that they, they tell him, get out and never come back. Got thrown out of church. And so he goes out thinking, wow, the seeing isn't all it's cut out to be. Gets you in all kinds of trouble. And Jesus hears that he has been thrown out, and he goes looking for him. Now, have you ever noticed how few times in Scripture you ever hear that Jesus seeks out someone? It's almost never. Usually they're looking for him. It's not the other way around. But it says Jesus went to look for him. And when he does find him, he says, and the guy doesn't really know who he is because he, remember, he didn't see him. He says, do you believe in the Son of God, the Messiah? He says, well, show me who he is, sir, and I, you know, I'd like to believe. And he says, I am the one. And it says that the man worshiped him. Now, the story is obviously filled with great meaning for Bartimaeus, who was blind and seized. And it really is a profound thing, both for him in the literal sense, but also in the more uh, spiritual sense. Because he didn't just see the world now. He saw life itself. And Jesus has told his disciples, I am the light of the world. And suddenly a man who is blind now sees, and he sees not only water and people and dirt, he sees God. And it changes him forever. Now, that could easily become just a neat story about somebody a couple of thousand years ago. But in reality, it's, it's all of our stories because we are all Bartimaeuses, aren't we? We are all children of sin, children of defilement. All of us were born to parents who were sinners, who were born to parents who were sinners, who were born to parents who were sinners. And all of us reap the consequences of growing up in families that are more or less functional from more than less. And yet, when we run into problems, when something terrible happens, what is the first thing we do? Maybe, more likely we go, what did I do? Particularly if a lot of bad things happen. You know, if a, if a whole bunch of terrible things happen to us, well, what in the world did we do that, you know, I deserve this? All right, God, this is enough. 
when someone dies. Those who love that person immediately try to figure out what they could have done, what they should have done to fix it. I should have seen it earlier. I should have known. It always has amazed me because I've seen it happen over and over again. It really doesn't even matter what the age of the person is. It happens when a young person dies. It happens when a person very old dies. You know, if only I had, you know, thought of this, then I could have helped. You know, maybe we could have gotten them to the hospital. Maybe we could have done this. Maybe we could have done that. Because we begin to see the world through those same eyes that the disciples and the Pharisees saw, which is that because we are born in sin, because sin is the condition of the world, that somehow or other we deserve it. You know, we're being punished for something terrible that has happened to us. Now, I have to tell you that that kind of thinking is not of God. Because Jesus very clearly says when his disciples asked him, well, whose fault is it that this man is born blind? He said, it's not anyone's fault. This is here so that God's glory might be made manifest. Now, I suppose you could interpret that to mean that Oh, God got up one day and thought, I think I'm going to make somebody be born blind so I can heal him someday. Imagine if you were that young man, the 25 or 30 years you'd spent being blind didn't really seem like a good idea. You know, why didn't he pick someone else? But that isn't what Jesus was saying at all. What he was saying was the man was born blind because the world lives in darkness. The world lives in a state of sin. We see it all around us. I read in the paper this morning that uh, apparently um, there's a civil war going on in the Ivory Coast. And uh, one of the Catholic charities that worked there reported that a thousand people were massacred over the weekend. You have to wonder why. You know, we still hear stories about the tsunami and, and the deaths. They found some people dead at the, at the nuclear sites um, that had been lost since the tsunami. And we wonder when earthquakes happen, why? You know, we wonder why all the time. Because we have been told by the evil one that we live in a world where we're all basically good and the world's basically good and if something bad happens to you, it's because you deserve it. Now, how did we get this message? Anybody know? Anybody here ever get a whipping when they were young and said, this is going to hurt you, me more than it hurts you? Didn't you always want to say, can we trade? <laughs> I mean, what a deal. going to hurt you more? No, I don't think so. You know, we're told you're going to have to be punished because you did such and such. And over and over again, from the time that we're younger, so young we can't even speak. That's the way the world goes. If you don't study, you what? Fail. If you um, don't apply yourself, um, you won't get into college. If you don't work hard, you won't be able to keep your job. If you're sick, then workers don't want people who say, don't be sick. Talking about my brother-in-law. He's had a sinus infection um, for oh, about two months now. And he said, why don't you go to the doctor? He said, I don't believe in doctors. I said, I know some, actually. They exist. They really do. And he said, nope, 
He said, if I go to a doctor, something bad's going to happen. I'm just going to wake up one morning dead. And I said, well, if you wake up one morning dead, will it have occurred to you that maybe it wasn't necessary? <laughs> it might have been avoided? And he goes, I don't worry about that stuff. So he's not going to go. I can remember he had poison ivy all over his face and around his eyes and stuff. We were trying to get him to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I go on back. And then we didn't get it. You know, somehow or other, we, we, we struggle through life. You know, justifying our actions, making excuses for what we have done or not done, you know, trying to figure out some way to make sense of it. Because obviously there's this cause and effect to the bad things that happen to us. Well, there is a cause to why bad is in the world. God didn't create the world to have evil in it. But the cause is now so diffuse, you know, since Adam, that it is impossible to avoid. We live in a world of darkness. And when you're walking around in the darkness, you're going to run into things. And it's going to hurt. Why do bad things happen? Because the world is a broken place. And bad things happen. It does not mean that God is out to get you. Rather, what it means is that God chose a different path altogether. He decided that there could be a different kind of opportunity here. Yes, the world's broken, and yes, they're living in the darkness that their ancestors and they have created for themselves, but this isn't punishment. It's opportunity. This isn't failure at the beginning, because now light can come into our world. You know, they don't have to walk around in darkness. They can have a lamp lit. They can see Jesus. And that's what happened to this blind man, was he saw Jesus. What would that be like for us if we truly walked in the light as opposed to in the dark? Anybody here do stuff in the dark, metaphorically speaking? You have things in your life you don't want people, I'm not going to ask you what they are, that you don't want people to know? We all do, don't we? That would be embarrassing or if not embarrassing and would make people think less of us or, you know, all those kinds of things you know, that, that go on in life because that, that would be awful. And yet, that darkness is what seduces us. The greatest growing addiction in America today is Internet porn, pornography addiction. You know why? I know some people here don't get on computers, so you probably have no idea why, but uh, because of the Internet, because of the fact that it's anonymous. I can go on a website and have all these sorts of things that are just perverse, and nobody needs to know about it. Because it's just me and a computer, right? And we think that somehow or other that helps us to escape the consequences of it. You know, because if we don't get caught, it's not against the law. What we don't realize is that we are buying into the darkness. We are living into that which will cause us to stumble. 
and we will be seduced more and more and more into thinking that darkness is normal. And we do that in all kinds of ways. We do it with our finances sometimes. You know, a lot of people don't like, you know, making budgets and things because if I knew how much money I really had to spend, I'd have to not spend it. Right? Much easier if I don't know what it is. Then I can just spend it anyway. We do it with relationships. We ignore the things that our kids are are doing or not doing that they ought to be doing so that we don't have to confront them and deal with it. Because it would be too painful to think that our kid could do something like that. We look the other way when our spouse, you know, does things that are just wrong or harmful to us. Because to face up to it and shine light on it would create so much rancor, I mean, and so much trouble that we're afraid of what that would mean. To have the light shine on things is not necessarily a pleasant thing. It can be very difficult. I suspect it was difficult for Bartimaeus when he first saw the light. When the light first started, I mean, it hurts to have that much light come in at first. But do you think he'd rather go back to sitting by the gate? Probably not. If we were to truly live in the light, we would be the same in church, at work, at home. We would say whatever we have to say to anyone. We wouldn't have this, oh, don't tell anybody I said anything. Ever anybody tell you that? You ever wonder what you're supposed to do with information that somebody tells you not to tell anybody? I now know something that I don't know, or I can't know. I mean, what do you do with that? If instead we say, what I say and what I do is who I am, it's always who I am. And that's light. That's transparency. That's integrity. Would you like for your politicians to actually say what they really mean? That'd be nice. Would you like for your preachers to say what they really mean? Would you like for your parents or kids to say what they really mean? It would make life easier, wouldn't it? Just think you could quit reading between the lines because they just tell you. That's the difference between walking in darkness and walking in light. As we walk this journey of Lent toward the cross, it becomes very easy to let the darkness of our brokenness envelop us, to surround us. But if we do that, it can begin to feel hopeless. Because if you've ever been lost in your life, you know how desperate that feels. I mean, you don't know what to do. You don't know which way to turn, which way to go, how you're going to make it. But if you would allow the light of Christ into your life, what you would realize is that all of this brokenness that you call your sins is not simply because you were bad and God is out to get you for it. It now, in God's eyes, is an opportunity for you to see the truth and to see life and to move into the kind of life that he would have you to live. Now, he isn't going to make you do that. You can walk in darkness if you want to. You can keep running into the dresser and you know everything else along the way. But it's not what he wants for you. 
but it's also the case that he's not going to say, look, when I turn on the light, I'm not going to turn on the light in such a way that you can pretend that all that stuff you were doing in the dark didn't happen. I'm not going to negate your whole life you know, for your sense of illusion. Because with light comes judgment. When you actually see the world, it can be a pretty scary place. We went down into southeast Ohio this past week to see uh, Judy's dad and to visit with my friend whose mom was killed in a car wreck a couple of weeks ago. And um, as we were going down, one of the things I noticed is Appalachia is an interesting place. If you ever drive through it, 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 it's beautiful in the summertime and in the fall. In the wintertime, it's one of the ugliest places on the planet. And it's not ugly simply because everything is dead and there aren't any leaves. Because you begin to wonder, why would somebody dump their trash on the side of the road? And why would anybody leave it there? Would it really be that hard to pick it up? You know, why is it that people take old appliances and stack them on their porches? I can say that, by the way. I lived in Appalachia. Because they really do. One person told me they keep do that so they can keep their worms in them for when they're going fishing. It me like there ought to be a better way to do that. Why do people not do the simple things? Now, I can understand some of the expensive things. They just don't have the money to do. That would make sense. But why would you foul your own nest? And that contrast has always struck me. The difference between summertime when the leaves are out and everything's green and it covers all this, and then they all fall down, and you can see behind it. Because it's always stood as me, to me as a metaphor for what my life is like and what your life is like. We go out into the world, and we like to pretend that it's summer all the time, and there are all these leaves that are covering all of our blemishes and all of our brokenness and all of our faults. And boy, is it bad when winter comes. When you get caught in that lie. When the person you were gossiping about finds out that you were the one who started it. You know, when the, the stealing you're doing at work suddenly comes to light. And your wife walks in and sees you on the internet looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at. The brokenness of our lives is great as long as we can keep it covered up, isn't it? But the moment the leaves come down, we're exposed. In God's eyes, we are always exposed. He is light. And our choice is a simple one as we make this journey to the cross. We can go to the cross pretending that I'm good, I'm fine, got no problems, you know, struggle like everybody else because I'm a generic sinner just like everybody else, but I got no brand name sins. You know, I don't have any major problems in my life. You know, it's not a big deal. And when we get to the cross, it'll be for somebody else. Or we can begin to acknowledge that ugliness that lies within and allow the light of Jesus Christ to come in and overwhelm it. Because the truth is, is that we can't clean up our mess. But Jesus can we can't overcome our addictions and our faults, but Jesus can. 
ultimately, all of those choices come down to a simple thing. Do you want to live in the dark or do you want to live in the light? There's a, I want to end with a metaphor that comes from the book of Revelation. All too often in Revelation, people only tell you about the plagues and all those terrible things that are coming upon people. At the end of the story, we win, by the way. Anybody ever ask you if you have ever, you know, if you know what Revelation is about? The answer is we win. Well, that's what it's about. At the end of it, though, there's a lamb in the center, and there's no sun, and there's no moon, because the lamb is the light of the city of God. They no longer need the artificial worldly things, because God himself is the light that shows forth everything. We can begin, at least in small ways, to try to let that light into our lives today be who we are, say what we mean and mean what we say, to be the same with every person that we encounter, no matter where they are. And if we do that, yes, some of our ugliness will shine through. And so one of the things that the rest of us need to do when the ugliness, you know, when Derek's ugliness shines through, I know you all don't think he has any, but I'm sure he does, um, when, when that does shine through, is you know what you can do? You can love him and be grateful that he lets you see. And maybe you can begin to trust that he might love you if you let him see. What a different world that would be with him. If we knew our problems, knew our faults, and we're working on them, and the rest of us pitched in to help one another. We are all Bartimaeus. The question is, is do we really want to live up to that old toast? Here's mud in your eye. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrews is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.